your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast for part three, the third and final installment of our mid-year assessment on Everton Football Club. If you haven't already checked out the first two parts, go back and check it out. First part, we went through kind of our issues in the summer and how we addressed them to begin the year. Part two, we did a deep dive, aka murder by numbers of Everton's current performance thus far. And in part three, we're going to talk about maybe the most important part and the most optimistic bit, and that is the solutions that we can appro- we can approach as Everton will resume play in less than a week, a little, little more than a week, excuse me, as the World Cup concluded today with maybe some are calling it the greatest match of football of all time, certainly up there with the greatest World Cup finals of all time is Lionel Messi at long last lifted the trophy in a just unbelievable game all around. I'm here, obviously, as always, with Ryan and Alex, and we'll kick it off before we get into the solutions with just a quick instant World Cup final match reaction. Ryan, you can go. It was fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty intense game. I, I can't even imagine. Um, I remember being at a Caribou Cup tie that went into penalties at Goodison. I think this would be slightly different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to a couple World Cups. I just can't even fathom. Um, but that's, it's a cool story. Um, it's the feel good story. It is. It was, it's so funny. Argentina looked like they were in control so often. And then just shows you, man, one lapse, one mistake, either that or just what to be expected of Otamendi at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Like it's interesting because a lot of, a lot of these players on paper between the two 11s, even though France had a solid, like half of their B team starting through the tournament, right. Because of injury. And, and yet, you know, those were the moments in which, you know, the lapses that you would say, okay, that's the difference in quality showing, but uh, it didn't matter. It was, it was just really exciting. It was, it was cool to see Messi. It was cool to witness Messi winning a world cup, the undisputed goat now, right? He has to be. Yeah. Since we got to the the round of 16, I've kind of been, you know, after the U S were obviously eliminated pulling for Argentina purely to see Messi lift the trophy. It's been so long. He's come so close. And just a, a fitting end to his international career. You couldn't ask to go out on a better note for who I think now is, is as you said, Alex, pretty much indisputably the greatest of all time. Um, and there and will easily be more taxes to well, touch now. Well, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I will say this: I got a little bit of a problem with people just saying this. You know, he's automatically the greatest of all time. Like, wasn't Ryan? Kayla, you can't send me live. Caleb was pretty good. This is BS. Well, I'm just saying. Like, I, I think a lot of people just kind of do that and they gravitate towards it, and it's just like, wham. Like, is he yeah, the no. greatest player that's ever lived? I mean, I have an accomplishment seen live in accomplishment. Is he, is he though? <clears throat> but you can know it's this. It's like, you know, it's the Jordan LeBron. It's in every sport. Oh, like, I know. You you, well, that's but, my point. But that's why it's like he's the greatest of all time. I mean, well, if it's everyone's just like Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. Well, well hopefully our solutions in part three are going to help find us a, a goat that plays for Everton. There you go. Solid <laughs> like transition. But well, I don't please. know. Either way, yeah, he's probably the best that I've, I've ever watched. And it, I mean, it's incredible cool to see him get it. Yeah, it's, um, yep. You know, it's just, uh, he'll retire from the international game. He'll be suiting up for Inter Miami soon enough. And uh, he also has a tattoo on his shin. I was thinking about that during the game. I'm like, how, how painful is that? Obvious goat. <laughs> just for sitting through a shin tattoo. That's what puts him over the top. Anyway, 
let's get into it, guys. Let's just uh, talk about solutions. I think, you know, again, if you haven't already listened to the last episode, it, it makes for, I think, a tough but enlightening listen just to kind of highlight the magnitude of how poor we've been. It's the foundation for this part. Right. You have to go back and listen to it. Well, you don't really have to. But but yeah, it is. I mean, it kind of backs everything we're saying, right? And 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 part three is really the solutions. And there's kind of like a first part, which is like before we get into the market solutions, what can Frank do? And then there's kind of how do we address the the issues that we clearly have uh beyond just tactical tactical changes. But part part A is really, you know, solutions is what what can we do? And we've talked a lot on this pod about um, tactical changes. And then I've got this lovely chart here that we put out um, maybe a month ago or so before the cup, which shows we've really played kind of three distinct tactical formations this year to varying degrees of, of success. I mean, we, we kind of started out in that four, three, uh, three, four, three, five, four, one for a little bit. Then we kind of flipped to a four, three, three. And then, then we played a little different style of four, three, three, when Patterson got injured, you know, after the Southampton match and to varying degrees of, of, of difference. But it's very obvious that there was one period here where if you look at just basic XG goal differential and XG stats in general, there's one little section of the season where we were decent and the rest maybe not so good. I mean, is it that simple, guys? I mean, it's kind of like small, small sample size, but um, it, it feels like that period where we first played before Patterson got injured, we were a lot more solid, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That sort of, I guess you could call it middle third of the first half of the season where we got some decent results. But then you look at, I guess, the most recent stretch of matches and it's it's basically our performance has dropped off a cliff. Now we've talked about, you know, the multiple matches without a shot on target, the struggles that we've had, but the XGA numbers that we highlighted last episode as well are, are really what is, I think, most alarming, not just our inability to score, but how often we're giving up good scoring chances to the opposition. Which is interesting because that's synonymous to when Ghana comes in and starts for Everton. Well, that's certainly when we got better, right? We had like a big leap. Like, um, I think we've got through the first four matches, we were like goal differential, expected goal differential was like negative 0.5. And then we flipped from that 3-4-3, stuck on in the six and played a legit 4-3-3, which had um, Awobi pushing up a little higher and Onana kind of sitting more next to him and playing deeper. And we seem like we're in a lot more control, I think. Right. And, and the XG um, differential is only negative 0.18. I mean, th- those matches leads Liverpool, West Ham and Southampton. I mean, we were effective. We were in all those matches. And, and I, I think the other argument is after that, we went to this tactical formation where Onana was pushed much higher on the left. He flipped sides with him and Awobi, whereas Awobi was playing on the left before, which is more of a natural spot for him. Dropped Awobi deeper on the right, I guess, presumably to cover for Patterson. That doesn't make sense because Onana is a better defense player. We've talked about this in the pod a million times. But if you look at the record, granted, some of it's the competition, right? You got Man U, Spurs, Newcastle, Palace, Fulham, Leicester, and Bournemouth, though. That's not exactly heavy hitters. And the XG differential there is is negative 1.01 this is this is p90 stats obviously i mean that's an obvious difference and i think we're seeing it so so that's my point right so that's my point right so it was not as simple as ghana comes into the lineup we finally get some sort of six our clear you know our best um probably midfielder in that role and yet for some reason we still got worse yeah that's true so let's talk about that so all right we've seen what's happening so um 
if we're going to play, so one thing is let's consider the four, three, three, when it looked good. So what are some things that Frank could do? And I think the first one is flip a Wobi and Nana back to the roles they were playing before. I mean, doesn't that make a lot more sense than what we're doing now? It does for the reasons that we've highlighted. You don't Onana more robust defensively thrives in a more complementary role. Alex will be much better going forward is responsible for so much of our creative output in the final third this season, despite not really being able to get up there that often. So you move one guy where he's more successful and you can also move the other guy where he's more successful. Don't really see the downside to that. Be interesting to see like what, what Frank decides to do when we return versus Wolves. I mean, it will be as responsible for, for all of our <laughs> offensive output, right? Not even some of it, all of it. And he's not even been playing forward. So that, that tells you right there that he needs to be there. It's a very strange thing, too. It's like when you have your best player, don't you? Isn't that the last person you move? Typically, you know, just kind of in theory. Um, and I think within that 4-3-3, and we have the graphic on here, Wobie's sitting a little higher in the left half space and teaming up with Gray and the moped a little bit. And Mikalinko naturally sits back deeper anyway. It seems to me that makes a lot more sense. Patterson could go higher. Onana likes to drop deeper anyway, control the game. I just think there's, it's a lot more sense. And I think there's some other things we can do too. I think just looking at personnel, I think playing McNeil on the right, tucking in, freeing up Patterson to go right, I think could eventually work, but we haven't really seen that much. Um, what about on defense? Are there some changes do you guys think we could make that would make things better? Because we've got a lot of numbers back there. I mean, can we really not find a right group of players, assuming these guys are all coming back, that would be better than we have now? Because we highlighted a lot of the performance issues in defense being just as bad as the offense. Cody was one we picked on a lot, but there are certain limitations of this team when you've got Connor Cody in there. I think Tark has some of these limitations too, but maybe not to the extent. So, I mean, are there things we can do without hitting the market in defense to maybe be better? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, um, I think, you know, multiple times. The start of the season, our our center back pairing was not Tarkovsky or Cody, right? It was was Mina Godfrey. So clearly getting the guys healthy. We've talked about it too, right? Cody specifically, a lot of people say he's better in a back three. Um, Some of our other center backs like Godfrey, we've talked about too, could be better in a back three. So getting these guys healthy again, I think there are some clear upgrades in regards to, you know, maybe the role we're talking about, you know, Godfrey in a, in a back three would be amazing compared to some of these other guys. Cody would probably be improved there too, but Mina specifically is, is a guy that comes in and improves pretty much the back line either side, no matter the partnership. Um, so I think that that's the clear choice. So just, can he, can he come back fit? Can you play more than 60 minutes? No, it does, does not seem to be plausible. Uh, yeah, I want to go back to the back three idea in a second here because we're going to talk about because that could be a change we make. But if you put Mina in here and he's healthy, that's the problem. If he's not, would you would you put Godfrey in for one of these two guys? I would outright just for the the athleticism. I mean, obviously, I think Connor Cody would be the first to drop for me alongside Tarkowski. I think like he's just Tarkowski's better than Cody. I think in in most yeah, aspects, maybe not on the ball, but just as as he's far as what, good on. I mean, he's not that bad on the ball. No, 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 not to say that, but like that's Connor Cody's probably. Real, his only positive attribute besides his leadership qualities. Um, so I, I would take pretty much, I mean, maybe not Holgate, but Mina or Godfrey. I don't, I just, I can't hold out hope on Mina, Ryan. I appreciate that. I know the, the optimism still rolling for yeah. him. But it is what it is. If he comes back, great. I'm not going to count on that. But I think the other one, especially if we go into like sections of our schedule where we want to try to get on the ball more, I, I do think Vinagre is an interesting option, perhaps over Mikalenko in certain situations. 
Um, we've seen what he we, we've seen brief glimpses of him. And I think just as far as going forward, we know it's not Mikalenko's strong suit. If we're going to try to get our wide defenders involved getting forward, then I just think you're way better off. The, the ceiling's much higher for someone like Vinagre than, than Mikalenko at this point in time. I mean, we pointed out one way to score more goals is get more numbers in the attack. We talked about how few touches we get in the box. That's one way to do it. Now, you're leaving yourself open in the back two, possibly. Um, and maybe that's a back three solution, too. We get to that in a second. What about like Onana's had some struggles? I, I don't I mean, why have we locked out Decore? Isn't that an option? I, I would think it is. I mean, certainly Decore has proven to be a pretty good Premier League player at times, too. So if not a struggling at times, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't. I might play Decore. I, I don't know what you guys think about that. Certainly it's an option. Yeah, I mean, it's an option. I just I'm confused as to, you know, does Frank rate him? It doesn't really seem like he does. Um, just based on how little he's played, you know, obviously he's had a little bit of injuries, you know, too, but, um, I'm confused as to how he rates him and, and like, does he think, you know, I, it, it has to go through his mind too, right? Like, does he think the difference between Ducori and Onana right now is big enough to sacrifice like the experience and the minutes that Onana gets in the premier league playing right now? I, I is think is a, that the difference? That's it, the, that's the decision. It's a fair question, but I think a better question is too: Does he really? How does he rate Onan if he's using him in a way that no one's ever seen? I mean, we saw him in the World Cup; he wasn't used in that way too. So, I, I've got some questions about that, just in terms of utilization, and, and is he using him right to begin with? So, there's clearly a disconnect on there in some capacity, or that shows I, you how much he rates Onana that he would not drop him if he thinks he's so adaptable he can play, you know, Fellaini 2.0 and post up because DCL's out. Yeah, it's just absurd, though. I mean, he's never done that. I don't understand why anyone would think that. But I will say this. I mean, Onan is probably a little cleaner on the ball, um, a little bit more skilled. But, geez, man, DeCorey's got the industry. He's like Mr. Recovery. And I got to admit, if you're going to push Alex up a little bit higher, Onana's going to get tired. I mean, DeCorey seems well fit in that role, too. And not to mention, you can play him a little deeper. He'll get up and down the pitch very well. But I do like Onan. I like when he's letting the game come to him. And I think he can make a nice sidecar to control games better with Adrissa gone a guy. Now I want to bring up going back to the four, the three, four, three, you know, five, four, one combo. And I would, I would probably make it more of like a three, four, two, one. I play a little more narrow and get like, if you're going to do that, if one of our issues is our lack of creation and our lack of ability to do anything from wide spaces, I mean, you're kind of taking some guys off because the natural place in a three, four, three for your best player in theory, Alex Awobi to go is almost as a left-sided attacking midfield. And I think that's an interesting option. So say you had the moped up top. I mean, yes, we'd love Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but we'll say for one of those two. Put a Wobie and maybe Damari Gray right behind them. And then you've got four across. Ghana and Onana are a great two-man midfield. They can play in a two for sure. Onana did in France. Decore can as well, too. And you've got maybe McNeil could play your left wing back or Vinagre. Or Mikalinko, too. I'm just throwing it out there if you want more defensive. Patterson's clearly comfortable playing that role. In essence, that's what he played in Rangers. And then you've now got a back three choice, and you've got a lot of players out there that you're right, Alex. Might be better in a three. I mean, I thought Ben Godfrey looked promising in a three. Mason Holgate could suddenly be a lot more aggressive in a three. That's for sure. I think Mina does well as a middle three as well. But if he's not there, it seems like that's Cody's natural position. Um, it could Park be a reach seems- too, but maybe Mikalenko at left center back at some point or in a pinch, right? He has, you know, he has the profile to where he could do it. I think in certain so. situations. Yeah, he's not brewed in the air or anything, but that's okay. And that, that's not overrated. If we're playing more up the pitch, that's not as important. And and he's decent enough on the ball in terms of smart with it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I look, it gives Alex Awobi a lot more freedom, I think. We like that. 
I mean, how tough would that midfield be to play through? I mean, that I, I wouldn't want to do it. That's pretty. That's a lot of ground that can be covered, and just a lot of chaos when we're off the ball that they can they can uh, enforce. I don't know. It looks good from an athleticism standpoint. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you're playing through them now, you freed up the two kind of wide center halves to go out and get people. Like Tark right now is going out and making tackles and being aggressive, somewhat. Um, Godfrey doing that. I like the idea of running around tackling people. I mean, that's you know what I mean. That's some I good. Also like that. Idea. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, he can yeah, literally. Yeah. Well, and he, also if 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 Dominic Calvert Lewin's playing and you want to cross the ball, I mean, I kind of like the idea of Dwight McNeil on left firing and crosses him and Patterson and just and and having Awobi and Gray sitting there on the backside. I mean, maybe Gray's not the greatest there, but winning second balls and I, I mean. McNeil's pretty sturdy on defense too, and and yeah. Patterson's defensive metrics, you know, one v one have been pretty good this year, probably better than we anticipated at least from the start. So C- certainly good enough if you got a center half behind you, you know what I yeah. mean? Certainly, yeah. I, I think it's think about it on set pieces too. Like if Yeri would ever get healthy, I mean, a lot of big bodies in there. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I think it's something that I wouldn't be. And we saw it with different personnel in the last match in Australia. So. I don't know. I think it's interesting. James. I do too. And I think what's interesting about that setup in terms of off the ball is there isn't as clear of an like teams aren't just going to be able to funnel it down the right hand side because you have more fortitude across the whole back line teams. There's, there's not just like that glaring weakness that we seem to have right now where teams can just pick on us and find all sorts of joy down the right hand flank. I think you can play higher too, even with that three. I mean, you've got some good. Anyway, I, I think it's a good way to address the issue. If you're not getting production from your wide spaces, it kind of changes the game a little bit. Do I think we're going to score a ton of goals that way, especially if Dominic Calvert Lewin's not healthy? I don't know. I noticed but, you didn't mention Gordon. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, look, and honestly, he could be a wingback in that too. I mean, it seems like that's where Chelsea and Spurs might want him. I, I, well, he has the tools to do it as well. I agree. Yeah. I, I just, for Gordon, who played inside for a little bit, too. I mean, look, if you're going to press higher and you put a Wobie and Gordon behind like the moped or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I mean, that's that's tough to play through. I mean, for sure. I just think Damari's a, a more polished guy. and We need goals. But it's, that's a thought, too, Alex, right? I mean, if you're tired or you're up, you know, put Michalinko in for McNeil, put Gordon in for Gray, push everyone up, really pressure those guys. I mean, that's that's something to deal with. Like, that's not going to be fun. You could even put like a Holgate or a Godfrey at that wingback position on the right and have them just pound. Pe- I mean, I don't know. I think, I think it's something to think about. So look, there are some things I think Frank can do mostly in defense though. Right. Cause I mean, he has some personality he has to work with, but look, the bottom line is still, that's not going to solve all our issues. Right. We've highlighted too many of them with further ado. Let, let's talk about recruitment a little bit. And I, I think, one piece of context that's really important, and I ran all the numbers, at least using transfer market data, and I really haven't spent that much in the last three windows. If we start with the summer of 2021, I, I don't know if people really haven't spent that much in the last four years or so. I, I don't know. Do we think people are aware of that or do they know how low the spend has been since that summer 2021, guys? I mean, I don't I, I think there's obviously we go into the numbers a lot more than than most people do the financial side of things i think people look at the headlines reported in the papers which are historically like way overinflated if not outright inaccurate and they see the headline okay everton have spent boatloads of cash quote unquote and here we are but it's really and Ryan, you've been like crusading for this point it's really just the one maybe two years two summers that we spent a decent amount and since we've had to be very conservative and certainly have been. Um, I think it's 
you know, there's no question the team has regressed in terms of like improvements over the windows sense and like the performance on the on the pitches similarly regress. Yeah, and, and and I want to make you know the point we mentioned it in the last episode it was a big point, but it's important for the context of the conversation ahead, and that is you know we kind of agreed pretty much all the signings we made this last summer right ahead of all the suggestions we have in January were were not necessarily an immediate upgrade in the starting eleven too. Um, so I wanted to point that piece of context out before we get into it because I think it really shapes our conversations and also where our mindset has to be for like the January recruitment. Yeah, that's that's a great point. There's got to be some balance there. We already bought some young players, right? And and I think if you start in summer of 2021, that's really three windows now. I mean, we're 16th in gross spend and 17th in net spend. It's not much, right? I mean, there's simply not. And granted, a lot of that's balanced with the Richarlison sale. But and, and I think we figured that we've dropped some wages too, and that speaks to the same thing, Alex. Right? I mean, wages. Many people would argue is the better measure of spend of a club of club clout, you know, and um, we, we got ballpark that we dropped about 16 million pounds in wages year over year. And your point is the right one, Alex, if we're dropping wages, thus, you know, naturally we've had fewer immediate impact players because they tend to be your most expensive guys. And that, that's part of the reasons to buy young players, which we should have been doing all along, but okay. Anyway, so one thing to mention is we still got two loans that we can do. We can do one more from the Premier League and one more for foreign. I mean, knowing that we've saved that much in wages, yes, we have a stadium to finance. I get it. But I think we need to use those two loans and they've got to be impact players, right? But that's not too easy to pull off. It's not. It's not. And we saw us kind of try to make some loan moves in January last year. Those didn't pan out the way I think anyone would have hoped. You know, we saw Van de Beek come in. We saw Deli Alley come in. Obviously, that wasn't a loan outright, oh, but that both deal of those is so ridiculous. It, it, it was ridiculous <laughs> at the time. It's even more ridiculous now. Like we can't play him because if we play him a few more times, we have to drop ten million on the guy. Like ten million every. I mean, granted, there's no sporting director there, obviously, to negotiate that. But whoever did that, I mean, I just. But I think, like you know, you saw the ramifications of not making impact loan signings in January with the second half of our season last year. Great point. A knife fight to the end. Now this could, this season could take a totally different turn. If we're able to get two impact guys in all of a sudden you, you directly immediately improve in certain areas of priority and the entire outlook can change very rapidly. Yeah. They can also help you. It helps enable you, you know, refine your search and who you want to spend big money on and maybe enables you to go after that one guy that everyone says, you know, in the, in the front office, we want him. It's tough in January. I mean, you don't want to be in a position we are now where we feel like we have to spend. And that's one thing we talked about in the summer. We didn't overcommit any funds to anyone to give us some flexibility in January if we needed, but you didn't necessarily want it. But yeah, so look, the way I looked at it and the way the part two and one really worked is I, I think we we agree. There's some options in defense. We have some depth in defense, but really the priority has got to be the wide spots, right? I mean, I think we determined very clearly through part two is we need creativity goals. We Ideally, I think you want someone that can dribble too, successfully dribble. Um, and not just for the creation and getting into the box. We cannot get into the final third. We need guys that can do that whether it's pass or carry it, but it's also for the retention. I mean, to have a player that, that could beat you off the dribble and scare you 
you got to pull back on them a little bit. You can see possession a little bit to players like that. We need that. I think that power and pace, that guy that can run with the ball and do more than our wide players can do right now in 1v1 situations because they've not been successful. Gray is really the only one, and I think stylistically he clashes a little bit with Frank the way he holds up the ball. So so if we got that idea, like someone power, pace, can hold up the ball a little bit, can get it into the final third, or I think the other option is kind of that inside creator. Like right now, Alex Wobie's the only source. In theory, if you really need to score, you could pull him back a little bit and have him feed someone else that can hold the ball and attack, like more of a 10. Maybe someone in the right half space would be great as like counter to Alex. That would be really interesting. Um so they could play as either twin eights or, or, you know, something like that. I think the other last option, too, that we should look at is center forward, maybe on loan, because we just don't know what's going to go on with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. If he's not healthy, um, we're, we're a little bit light. I mean, most teams don't have more than two strikers that only play one, but we don't really have a good hybrid option either. You know what I mean? Like we don't have that Richarlison that can kind of play as a winger and a center forward that other teams may have. Like Spurs has one striker. But Sun can play striker. Richarlison can play striker. You know what I mean? They have that option. Man City is the same way. I mean, Julian Alvarez, you would argue, is more of a second striker. But the way they play, they can get away with that. I mean, Liverpool finally got one. They have Firmino's like a false nine. Like, teams don't have three or four strikers because they have some other options. So, okay. So, those are the big three, really, that we need. You know, kind of that more center forward type. Maybe an inside creator still in the attack. Or that wide guy that can really do things by himself a little bit. So, one easy way to look at who might want a loan is simply look at who hasn't played many minutes, who we know that's had some success because we need impact players here. So if we're looking for loans, that's what you're looking at. You want to entice someone to come in, biggest league in the world, play minutes because you're not getting time. So the first thing I thought about is, okay, what about Frank's old club? I mean, he's got to have some connections maybe that that he could lure some people in. I mean, Chelsea's got a lot of, well, the first name I thought was Eden Hazard. But I'm like, we're not. <laughs> I mean, the way the just, scenes, if that were he, to come off. I know. I know. He wasn't great in the World Cup. I, he actually has been OK at Madrid. He's actually probably fit now. But yeah, I mean, come on. We're not going to pay money for him. Um, but some of the old Chelsea players, I mean, they just had a new signing. Clearly, some. I mean, some of those guys have got to move, right? You have to think so. I mean, like, you know, before the World Cup, you might have said Hakeem Ziyech. It feels like given how well he did with Morocco, he might be have his head turned elsewhere, but it's hard to say. I don't think we have a clear, we don't know exactly what his relationship was like with Frank. Presumably it's, it's decent. Could you persuade him to, to move to Everton from Chelsea? He's going to have, I think you think he'd have enough options, but he's one that I think you, I wouldn't be too upset if we did take on a good portion of his wages for a half season, just to get his ability into our team. He's so dynamic. The guy, talk about beating guys off the dribble. I mean, he would bring something immediate to this team and a huge upgrade in the wide spaces. What about on set pieces, too? I mean, he, he to me, is if Dwight McNeil was really, really good. You know, he could play in that right high space. So he's almost both. He's almost the wide player as well as the creator. Not a phenomenal athlete, but he immediately is going to create havoc for us, no question. Could he come? I, he might. I don't think that's a crazy idea, but he's expensive. He's on like 145 k a week. I saw an interesting quote from Christian Pulisic that was very complimentary of Frank Lampard the other day, which I was surprised because I felt like Frank kind of jerked him around a little bit, but he played very well under Frank. I mean, Pulisic's got to move, doesn't he? I mean, does he make sense on the left side for Everton? I mean, both of them. Right. Okay. Both of them make sense for Everton. Let's just say it, right? I mean, no, I don't want to pay like 150K a week for these guys, um, but to come in as a loan, 
or a loan with an option is a no-brainer. The question, you know, just becomes like Pulisic, can he stay healthy? Uh, I know. But I, it just like the quality from both of them is different. They both offer things we need. Um, they're both obvious, um, you know, a step or two, probably two or three ahead of our other options. Make it happen. It would be criminal if Christian <laughs> Pulisic came up on the American Toffee podcast talking about a move and we said anything but a resounding yes let's take him on <laughs> well look i mean he, he he has issues with health i mean he gets banged up a lot and he would play heavy minutes here but look the bottom line is he could dribble and he can score and we don't have guys that can just score on their own i mean damari can do it occasionally but we really don't have that i mean he is a lock-on starter he'd be i like zh better person i think he's a better fit but both of those guys would make sense i think now beyond that other Premier League players, still quite a few guys that aren't getting minutes. Some of the guys like Donny Van de Beek, not quite the right role. Um, don't mind done him. that. Yeah, right. Yeah, don't go back to the well. Um, Lucas Mora has not played it much at Spurs. He's still very athletic, but I just, I don't see them. They have enough depth there, but I don't see them moving him. I think since Richarlison went down, they probably could be a Cole, decent shout, though. Yeah, it's an idea, right? I mean, he's a good enough player. He certainly would improve us. Uh, Cole Palmer is a really young player at Man City has. I just, you know, I'm looking at guys at low minutes who has talent. I, I just think unless there's an option to buy there and then would you waste a loan on that? I mean, right, right. I mean, maybe you buy him. He's very good. I mean, he's I really amazing, like but I still think he's, you know, you'd look for maybe someone slightly more experienced, though he could, you know, light it up with us but i I still think he's not quite in that category of proven yeah look i mean we we're talking about using the loans a little bit too interesting right so i think the other way to look is is look at some big clubs you know sometimes they got guys that are cast down uh some clubs got kicked out of the euros that type of thing like who is in these big clubs that stuck there They, they would have no problem sending money because the clubs are so deep they never play so yeah, you know, I kind of looked at the usual, like PSG, like Pablo Sarabia is at, at PSG. I, I mean, he's a decent player, but he's kind of too lumbering. I don't think he's a good fit for the Premier League, but that's the type of guy you're looking at. Like, um, there's some younger guys that aren't quite there. Like Yassine Adli is is one at Milan. Like, he's a really interesting, unique player, really tall, good creative player. He's only 22. I, I just, again, it's a little bit Cole Palmerish, even though he's a little more advanced. I mean, is he an impact player in the Premier League? I mean... That's an interesting opportunity if you're mid-table now and you're playing for your future. But Samuel Chukwizi is finally back into the lineup a little bit at Villarreal. 23 lefty, great in the dribble, fits the bill. It seems like new Villarreal manager uh, Luis Garcia Plaza is playing him. Is it ironic that maybe Unai Emery leaving helped Aston Villa and hurt Everton? Yeah, I mean, this is one. This is like the guy who I think... If you look, listen back on our January or the sorry summer transfer window deadline episode, one of the names that we were like really disappointed we couldn't get over the line, but at the same time, the price tag at the time was forty million, and that would have been just a, a little bit ludicrous for what you know the the product that Chukwueze is now. That said, on a loan deal, though it seems unlikely, if he's getting the minutes, he's he's not going to come to Everton to he'd still play. He obviously play a lot and slot right into the team, but I can't see that happening unless it were to be a, like a permanent deal later on. But even then it feels like that ship has also kind of sailed. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, yeah, it probably has sailed. Um, and, and some opinions differ on him. He's a little sloppy on the ball, but the talent that it's like, it kind of fits the profile though. 23. So are all our wingers too, though. So. <laughs> yeah, those are true. So, so, okay. One team that I think sticks out too is, um, Atletico Madrid is out of Europe altogether. 
um, had a disastrous Champions League campaign, aren't exactly killing it in La Liga. They've got two guys in particular, which is interesting. Both took cut price deals to stay and aren't playing much. Uh, Mateus Cunha is one. That's the Bertolucci-Kia connection. Um, he could play in a lot of different positions, but well, let's table him because there have been some direct rumors on him, and we'll talk about him in a second. Thomas Lamar. Now, initially, I would have said no way because he was on such crazy wages. His wages are lower. He's not playing. He's a lefty. He's not playing much in the league. He barely played in the Champions League. I mean, he would be dynamite cutting inside into the half space. It's the type of profile, though, that you might think about, right? I mean, yeah, I know. I know, you know, maybe not the best, uh, maybe not the best judge of it, but the Internet generally thinks that he has some proving to do. Um, and Everton could be a decent spot for that. Uh, I think he could definitely be, you know, he could definitely be an upgrade, which I mean, it's kind of hard to say, you know, when wingers are not going to be an upgrade, (laughs) what we've been saying in the previous parts, but he's interesting. I mean, that's, that's the type of, you know, research and that's what clubs are going to be looking at too. Right. So, um, I I came up with some other guys too, that are more just kind of loan to buy opportunities, maybe guys at smaller places that, that might want to move that aren't maybe playing as much like, um, Matt Vadidi is one, uh, Steffi, who's at, who's, well, he's not playing much at all, but he was at Arsenal with the Wobies, 24, he's coming off a leg injury, he's finally back playing, but like, yeah, he came back from injury and just got a, got a red card. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, this is the type of guy that you would consider buying. I mean, he's 24, maybe he's a little bit older than you'd like, but he he's the type of left wing slash center forward that we've never really had. He can kind of play both. He can let you maybe take a risk more with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and someone that's not just strictly a center forward. I don't know what they'd ask for. He's English qualified, but that's, I mean, is he an immediate massive impact? He's pretty good, but that's like the best of a bunch where you're like looking at, at a, at a buy option here on some of these guys. So, so I just wanted to use him like Edon Zagrova is another one at Lille who I really like is a left footed right wing. Like, they bought him last January. So yes, you could buy him. He's only 23, but like, these are the impact players that if you have an affordable budget that you'd be looking at, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, we haven't been linked to too many of these. So I think you got to lo- use your loans here first and see these, these are kind of like secondary options potential. You guys know what I mean? I mean, it's just not yeah, yeah. like neither of those guys are like sweet. We're, we're going to be, we're going to be safe. Sure. hundred percent. I think Mavadidi's one just, just on his profile and like his history, he's English. He hasn't really played much in England since he left Arsenal. Seems like the kind of guy that Frank Lampard would see on yeah. paper and be like, "Oh, I can rescue, I can save him. I can, I can like re- revitalize his career in England." So he's a good player, though. I Mario actually quite like him. Though. He's quite like. I mean, if the price is right on someone like that, I mean, that would be a really interesting buy, I think. Um, and obviously, you know, if someone like Gordon goes out, I mean, God knows what's going to happen. So, so the other optic too, I thought was interesting is end the contract guys. Are there guys out there they can get for cut price because they're pretty much at the end of the contract? And and I think that the challenges with this is now I feel like more guys are willing to run their contract and go into the summer and pick whoever the hell they want. So I, I think that's that's part of the challenge. So like some of these guys, like Marco Asensi, he's 20, 26. He's not a good fit for the Premier League. I, I think he's working on a new deal with Madrid either way. But like, I mean, come on, you know? This is like Asensio, I, I hear the name and I'm like, this is... Reminds me of like when Farhad first came in and he just wants the big names from the big clubs and we're going to spend over the moon for him and they're going to we're going to play Hollywood football. We're going to need a Hollywood manager, all that. That's like a Sensio to a T. He's had a fair amount of injuries as well, if I remember. correctly. Yeah, he has. He, he's I mean, he's also more, I think, of a better inside player. But I mean, he was playing up top. At one, I mean, just 
he's the type of one. But there are a couple other here that are interesting. Like I would also like Dachi Kamada is a guy that we actually got linked with. He's similar to me in Essentio. Like, I mean, he's not as good, but he's 26 as at Frankfurt. Like he's tricky with the ball. He can play all over the place. He is not a good athlete. And he's not going to be able to get time and space in the Premier League like he does other places. And he's not a good goal scorer. So links to him, I don't get it. He's just a bunch of tap-ins and penalties. So that's the type of guy that you look at in a profile and you're like, no. Adama Traore. Yes, Adama Traore. I'll never say no to Adama. He's just too electric. You talk about the things we don't have. Guys who can beat a man. I know. And the end product is the big question. He is playing, getting some minutes now. So whether he'd be interested, could be persuaded to move back to England, I don't know, but like the dude is just electric whenever he's on the ball, and I'd love to see him in a blue shirt. I, I think it'd be hard to ignore the fact that Lopentegui's in there and, and like the Spanish connection and like a feeling he's going to play more, but, but you never know. You never know. I mean, I, I just think it's an interesting shout. I mean, it, he would be an impact player. I mean, the kind of impact might be a little bit unique. Um, the other one I tagged that I think is worth talking about is because he'd be dirt cheap is Ryan Kent. He's 26. He's at Rangers. He's again, this is see tall guy bias. He's a short guy. Um, and I like him, but look, he's an ex Liverpool guy. Yeah, I know. But look, if Connor Cody can be here, I mean, he barely played with Liverpool. He was so ticked that they wouldn't play him, but like, look, he's small and yes, he can knocked off the ball every now and then, but oh my goodness, is he tricky? He's quick. He's, he does all sorts of crazy stuff and he creates and scores. And like, we just don't, I mean, where is the player we have that you throw out there and you got to worry about him 1v1? Like, Gray is okay 1v1, but Kent is really tricky and deceptive. And all it takes is one or two big opportunities. And if he has time and space, I, I was watching him play in the Champions League against Jorge Sanchez, um, my my favorite Mexican right back, who I just cannot believe is still in their national team. And he just absolutely murdered him, even though Rangers were terrible. He was their only threat. And look, they're asking for like a million bucks of the guy. I mean, I, I just... He's on the left side. His right foot's good. I mean, why? This is the type of guy I'm just saying. If you're if you're working with a budget, wages too. Yeah. I mean, geez. I mean, wouldn't you take a look at someone like this? He's 26. I get it. I, I don't know. I think it's interesting if he would come play for Everton. It'd be fascinating. But to me, I don't know. That's the type of bargain that maybe you like. Now, the rest of these guys aren't bargains, but they have different degrees of interest. Like we've got Sean Khan's favorite on here. I mean, Victor Tishkanov. He's a Dinamo and. I've never understood why he hasn't left yet. He's 24. He's got six months left. James, you don't think you were talking about this off air. You don't think this he's coming. Like he, would I come. don't I mean, see any way. Like, if come he, on, Mikolenko like you said, can't. I'm a Mi- Mi- Mikolenko could put in a word for him, but he feels like one of those guys that like set pieces right side. I mean, there's going to be clubs dying to get him on a free in six months. I, you would have to think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think that's the same for a couple of these other guys, too. So, like, I got a couple of guys on here, too. Well, like, Ray and Cherokee is the next one on the list. He's not playing much at Leon, but, like, that's the type of guy. He's 19. Like, he's a little bit like Cole Palmer. Like, that's a superstar. You're not getting him. So, yeah, maybe you get him on loan. You're not going to get a reasonable option to buy. I don't think he's an immediate impact player. So, if he's going to wait and wants to go on a free another one, he's going to go at a big club. And, I mean, he could sit on the bench at Real Madrid. It's just the way he can at Leon. Um, a couple other guys here. Musa Dembele is more of a pure center forward. He, his agent, Marcus Term, same thing. His agent, Marcus Term can play left wing too. He's he's probably left wing in the Premier League. He's an awesome profile for us. But again, these guys have both made it very clear they're going to go out to the summer. So they're probably not going to move unless it's for a top, top club. So what are we left with? Guys like Ben Brereton Diaz. No, thank you. I mean, I just, 
He's the you know he's he's all he's had a, having a great season in the championship again, sort of, but he's just not he's not what we need right now. I I don't think he's the same. He's not the type of player. I think someone will take a risk. Maybe Premier League club will come in for him, but I don't think he can. I don't think he'd be able to make that jump. He's not the athlete that you would want in that position. And I think he's a center forward man. Like yeah. I actually kind of like him at center forward. His runs are intelligent, but it's more like away from the ball runs. He can come back and get the ball and do stuff with it. I mean, his skills is good, are good, but he's not an athlete. Like he's not going to sit out wide and cut inside and break someone down via the dribble. And that's really what we need. And like, I will not do that. He is too big. He is not quick enough. His skills on the dribble are not good enough for that type of thing. So if he can't play wide and beat anyone and actually score, I, we don't need another backup center forward, right? I mean, if we want to look at a backup center forward, look at what Neil Mopay did in the freaking championship, right? Anyway, Nicholas Jackson's another one of Villarreal. He's nowhere near good enough at this point, but he's young talent, maybe. But, like, take a flyer on guys like that. It just doesn't make sense. So, okay, let's take a step back. Where else would you look, then? Here are some of your options, okay? January window is the big window in some places. So, like, South America, that would be a natural place to look. But that's more of a place to get good, talented young players, right? And, I mean, who are you talking about here? Like, Gabriel Barbosa. Is, like, Gabby Gold going to come in here and light up? First of all, I, I don't think he's that great, honestly think his left foot's great but he's stiff he's he's injuries like the guys that have light lit up the, the brasileiro which is a very good league i mean like roni at palmeiras he's like 27 roger guidis at corinthians he's 27 like he's not good enough i think marcos leonardo is a really talented young player center forward at santos he's very good but like he does not have top athleticism and he's not gonna just ju- like interesting guy to buy it's like john duran we was linked with at, 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 at chicago fire like interesting young player i mean he's beyond duran I just, you know, like um, Yuri Alberto is one. He's on loan from Zenit. He's 21. Like, he's a big, strong body. Like, okay, you know, maybe. But I just, is that guy just going to come in? We just place him at the nine and we're going to suddenly score. I mean, the guys that are scoring a lot, like Enzo Capetti at racing, and he's looking at MLS clubs. Like, that's, there's no one here that, that that's not a natural place to find solutions, immediate solutions in January. Right? Yeah, I'd love, as much as I'd love for us to be in a position to start. Yeah snatching talent from South America and bring them directly to Everton and cut out the middleman where they come to a, you know, lower non top five European league for a year. And then that team flips them for three X profit. I I just, I don't see that being the answer for us right now at this point in time where we sit. Um, And I think, you know, it seems like the club have really never gone out on a limb to make a move like that, at least in recent history. So for them to start now would seem both uncharacteristic and maybe mistimed. Now, we don't know the budget, though. I mean, let's be honest. If we can do really well with the two loans, then maybe we dip for a player or two. That'd be outstanding. But you've got to then have impact guys, and you know that you're going to be safe. But, like, so where else you are looking? MLS or Mexico? I mean, there are a lot of Landon Donovans out there, like, (laughs) that could just jump in the league. I mean, he was the best player in the MLS, or at least close to it. Like, Sebastian Drusi is awesome in Austin. Is he going to just take a dip in the loan market at 26 in the Premier League? No, I don't think so. I mean, Florian Thauvin's not going to take up his massive wages at Tigres just to kick it around in the PL and get his butt kicked. I mean, it's just, I don't know. There is some good young talent, though, right? But, like, they can't just walk in. Like, Jesus Ferreira is a good, young, talented player. But, I mean, come on, man. I mean, he couldn't cut at the World Cup. Brandon Vasquez is, like, 24 at Cincy. So, these are the type of guys you're looking at. Now, that being said, there are two very good young players that I think we should consider or look at, maybe, is a guy like Tiago Almada at Atlanta and Facundo Torres at Orlando. But again, you'd have to spend a significant outlay right now where we really need to concentrate our resources on guys that can help us immediately. So those would be interesting guys to buy, but I think those are summer moves, right? I mean, those aren't the type of, yeah. anyway. So, okay. So that's kind of our own research, our own names we've looked at. 
Let's hit the rumor mill. I'm yes. ready. Silly season ready. And so again, how we always do it on the on the American Toffee podcast. Number one, credibility of source. And number two, does the move actually make sense? And they kind of work in together, you know? Okay. And there's a tiering of sources by people out there that keep it. I, I have a spreadsheet that I'm referring to. So I've got tier one through four, four being completely unreliable, one being the most reliable. Incomings. We've been linked with Jean Gonzalez, center mid from Leche, 20 years old in Italy. He's kind of an eight. He's very tall. He's like 6'2", midfielder. Um, Gazetta, not reliable, but does it make sense? I mean, maybe he's kind of an attacking player, but he's more kind of like a 10. He's like 6'3". He's good on the ball. Um, He's a tall midfielder, so of course he has to get linked at West Ham too. That's what it is. Uh, Spurs are also interested. It's like just random big price premier, premier league teams. Yep. Look, I watched him. I mean, he's a bit clumsy. He's not the smoothest, smoothest athlete. You could see some good ideas and flashes. Um, he was in a big club before he was dumped his big time agent. He, he's got AC talent. Uh, Arturo Canales is like Javi's agent, you know, like Kepa. So to me, you know, a guy who's good in the air at center mid, I mean, almost profiles a little bit like Onana. I mean, is this a need? Like, have we identified any of this as a need? It, it doesn't feel like another center mid who's not different enough, doesn't bring anything really new to the table, and he's yeah. still so young that I don't think he'd, he'd be the impact signing that we'd want or need. Could could be, you know, obviously probably a bright future, but for right now, it just doesn't seem to align with what we'd want. Probably a lot of agent talk, yeah? 100%. Yeah. Agents yap and doing what they do. All right, another one. Tuto Mercado, another not the most reliable. We call that tier three, mostly unreliable. Rodrigo Beco, center back. Udinese, another uh, Watford um, company. Um, He's been good with Udinese, 17 million pound price tag. Um, He's 27 in January. A loan to buy, I guess, could make some sense, but he's not better than Mina. He's a, I mean, he's a beast. He's actually pretty good on the ball for a guy that's a bit of a beast. His foot speed's kind of slow. He's got some good instincts, but do we need a center half? I mean, he might be good enough to to jump in, but I mean, are we trying to set the Premier League record for number of center halves? Like this is, if it's a mostly unreliable source, it doesn't really yeah, make been, sense. We've been linked with him in past windows. I, I think know. maybe the last two or so. Um, you know, it's uninspiring, but at the same time, you know, we know that we we have links to to get a couple of our guys out at center back um you know could he could he improve over them probably so but is he you know is he the guy that's going to step into the starting role and can we prioritize that money over you know a dynamic attacking players really is is all it is but yeah you know again like timing isn't always perfect and, and sometimes if a deal is good which i'm not saying 17 is um then you kind of feel compelled to it's got to yeah. be under that i mean that's way too much yeah but I mean, if Michael Keane's, I, mean, I think at this point, it's safe to say he's clearly out of the picture and the club don't really have faith in counting on Mino, which why would they? Then maybe you do want to bring in an extra body. You still have, what, five, four or five center halves. But if he's an improvement over three of them, well, then that that's still maybe a move worth making. But for that price tag, I agree, like steer clear, not worth it. Let someone else take the take the risk on that. I mean, it might be a better fit than somebody. Yeah, I think it, only if a lot of people move out. I mean, so I, I, it seems unlikely to me. So, okay, here's one. Ismail Yassar, 24, Watford, right wing. Sound familiar? Um, look, he, he was decent in the World Cup for Senegal. 
according to Tuto Udinese, the Tuto group has lots of different fabrications uh, <laughs> coming from different angles. But okay, there have been a lot of links. This isn't the only one from him about him. Watford again, Udinese combination. Uh, they value their star attacker as highly as 35 million pounds. No chance that's going to happen. His contract's up in 18 months. Look, we've seen this guy. We know what he's about. He is big. He is fast. He is strong. He's got a lot of moves. He's an exciting player. He's a little inconsistent. He's a little clumsy. I would be slightly concerned if I was slitting in the in the glotties if he was playing because he has a tendency to really miss hit ones at 100 miles an hour, almost into the upper deck times. <laughs> he's just a guy shake your head sometimes that and be like, what on earth was that? But, but he fits the profile, right? Yeah, I mean, if... It can't, we can't do it for that money, but I think that's kind of the overall sentiment in the last couple of years, right? That, that we've been linked with him. Um, you know, play, we, we want him. I think he would be an upgrade over what we have. I think he's the right profile in terms of age. Um, you know, I think that he's got experience in the leagues itself, all positives, um, you know, good world cup showing obviously he's probably like BFFs with Ghana. I think, um, all positives here and, and, He's got power and pace. We get him for like if we could if we could get him for like 60 70% of that price, I'd say lock it down. If you he, he can score goals, he's big, strong, fast. He could beat people off the dribble. He's a little inconsistent. He's maybe not going to set the world on fire, but that's we I mean, that's where we're at. I'm on record that I love like this guy a lot. I, I guess I won't go as far as to say I love him, but I like him a lot. I've written every every window over the last 3 or so that we've been linked with him. I've been hopeful that we could get the deal over the line. I'm with Alex the, the Watford price tag seems far too high. And also it feels like if he was going to get a move at any point this year, it would have been in the summer. I don't know why they would let him go mid year unless they have some replacements. They're also trying to get back into the Premier league. He's been great for them. He's too good for the championship, I would say, but, and that's the price tag. Right. Because I mean, they, he's worth that much to them this season specifically. They brought in a new winger from Brazil. Um, he was a good player. I don't know if he's really a replacement. I like Jao Pedro a little bit better, but but they're in fifth. They're seven points out of second. Like to your point, James, is that is this the right time to do that for them? That would I don't know. That's why it's hard to do business sometimes in January, right? So anyway, interesting. We think he'd improve us. I don't know if it'd be as massive an improvement, but it's interesting. So then I think we need to just ask the question, like, do we need a true center forward? Like there was this quote from, I guess it's give me sports, Simon Phillips, who, who's actually a pretty reliable guy, I thought out there in terms of the transfer world claims that this is what he said. I definitely know that Lampard personally has asked for a new striker in January. Like, I don't know what striker means at this point. I always thought it meant a center forward, but I feel like people are using it interchangeably with like wide forwards, but like, okay, he's mostly reliable. I think they put him in tier two. We talked about how many center forwards a club needs. Let's assume that, well, let's assume we're going to get one. I mean, the first candidate to think about is what about Ellis Sims? Would we recall him? Because there is some discussion about that from the athletic, which is reliable. And it does make sense. But I think what they said was it would be a last resort. But I got a feeling that after having watched him finally come back from injury, he looks all right. Frank doesn't play a target striker the way Rafa would play. So I'm sure they sat there and said, look, we can let Rondon go because worst case scenario, we can bring him in and he could do the job that that guy did. I mean, I, I got to believe that's what their thinking was. I mean, don't we agree that? I mean, that at least aspect of it makes sense. But it would. do you agree he'd probably be better off letting him stay there and develop and play? Yeah, we should treat it as a last resort, right? Like we finally got him. You know, he's got a really good loan. 
He's been performing pretty well when he's not injured. Um, all of it makes sense for him to continue to develop there. That's what we've been screaming for for a couple of years now. Um, you know, we finally built that pathway for a lot of our players, you know, this past year to, to get out on loans that they haven't been in the previous years. So keep him there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we should go out and spend money on a center forward this window either, but it really depends on the profile, right? Like, you know, you know, as you said, if you can get someone that plays across the front line, you know, a Richie type as an example, um, it could be beneficial. Yeah. I'm kind of just leave Ellis Sims, let him enjoy his football, let him continue to develop. I'm in the same camp as you, Alex, basically like, yeah, he could probably sit on the bench the same way Rondon did, but it's not worth the expense that it comes that, that would, it would cost in terms of his long-term development. So um, that's where I say, and if he's a third option, if DCL can stay fit, then that's just uh, overly cautious. I think from Everton's standpoint, maybe if he scores a handful more goals before the end of the year at Sunderland, we, we can stop talking about Brereton Diaz from the championship and talk about Sims staying next year. That would be lovely. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to Mateus Cunha. Now is as good a time as ever to talk about him. Uh, he's only 23. People don't realize that. Um, he's playing mostly center forward at Atletico Madrid, but I think it's worth noting that when he was quite good at Bertha, or at Bertha apparently, Hertha and Red Bull Leipzig before that, um, he played a lot of positions. They played a lot of 4 2 3 1. He played left wing, attacking center mid, right wing. Um, kind of likes to drop in between the lines a little bit. I think he's very interesting, but we've had a lot of traffic about him. So the first one is David Ornstein in the athletic kind of did that whole list of stuff and guys at, at, during the world cup. Um, he said basically wolves lead, but might not pay him enough leads has a connection due to marsh at Red Bull Leipzig. Um, Villa, probably not. So, and then Fabrizio Romano, in addition to mentioning a couple other things, says four clubs interested in Cunha. Now, this is a guy, got to admit, all right, so both these things are tiered one, so I think we got to assume they're reliable. Does it make sense? I mean, Madrid's, we, they got bounced out of Europe. I'm sure they'd love to shed some salary. This guy redid his deal. He's not for on crazy wages anymore. Does it make sense? And if so, where do you play him? Well, I think I think at a, at a high level, right, he's the right profile in terms of age. Um, yep. Wages may be attainable. Um, his current situation plausible for a move. I think, I think his versatility in his positions give us a lot of flexibility with where we are now, but also where we could be in a year or two, depending on what other pieces we pick up. Right. Um, you know, what we do with a what other attacking players we bring in, you know, do we go, you know, for another winger, et cetera, SAR bringing him in, for example. So, um, I think it can make a lot of sense and I would be, you know, interested to see if it, if it comes off, but it's gotta be for the right money. I think. Yeah, honestly, I think he's the he he checks a lot of the boxes as you said, Alex, in terms of versatility, age profile. He's the type of guy I could see us like you go big on a guy like that because he's not pigeonholed into one particular position. He can be flexible. He's still got a lot of room to grow, and it's just a question of can we pitch him on this current project if that's even what it is. Like, is that a low value? Right. I mean, you want to buy low, sell high, right? I mean, this this is a low sign type him for you know point for him. Now, the only problem is, is we identified a couple different profiles. Does he perfectly fit any of them or does he kind of fit all of them? That's a real question with this guy. I, I like him better as like a deeper player, you know, whether it's kind of like an inside forward, like a left, like you could literally play him higher as a 10 and then still stick an eight and feed him. You could be on the left. I, I like him at left wing. 
Yeah, I just I don't like him at center forward. He his movement's good. He's smart. He's clever. Well, he, he wouldn't pass. play there. He, he I don't think he would either over Dominic Calvert Lewin. Right. Over Dominic Calvert Lewin. No, but but if Dom's hurt, maybe you do put him up there. I just don't like him up there. I like him another. I liked how he played at Hertha. I mean, the guy average. I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't dribble that much in Atletico Madrid. He's running off the ball a lot. I remember one time watching him in Hertha, and and I looked it up. He had 17 dribbles in a match at one point. He was averaging over seven dribbles per 90 <laughs> with Hertha Berlin. Right. Crazy. So, so look, now the thing is, he's not that pacey, but he's big. He's powerful. He's like six feet tall. And, and even if he can't beat you cleanly, his ball control is good. He can pass off it. He will flat out stiff arm guys out of the way. So, so I like the fact that he is dynamic. Like that's what we lack, right? Guys that can either get the ball in the final third and he's flexible enough to do that or do stuff in the final third and create and score. He's got the work rate too, right? He's got the work rate for what we're looking for in attacking players. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, you don't really play for that guy unless you can really work, you know? I mean, um, yeah, so I I don't know. that's important for the PL and for us now moving forward. I think. I mean, maybe he's not as good as they once thought, but boy, I'd like to try and see. You know, I think it's pretty interesting. A loan to buy would be absolutely, with an option buy, would be absolutely ideal here, um, knowing that you're using your last loan. I I like him. I think it's worth it. The other one, Wolves supposedly leads. I don't get this at all. I mean, you've got Neto, Guedes. They bought for almost 30 million pounds. You've got Potence, Traore, Huang, Diego Costa. <laughs> I got red card. Uh, um, Jimenez plays up top. Like, I think you have so many attacking options there. Why would you go there if you can go to, unless, I mean, it's the Bertolucci Kia link. Kia can bring him to Everton as well. It's not a Mendez client, so... I don't know. I, I think this is a no-brainer. I think we're we're a strong sell for the other clubs that have been linked to him if he wants to go to the Premier League, personally. I'd like to see it happen. I think it could happen. I think it's an interesting thing. So uh, I did watch him a little bit, and he doesn't look quite as dynamic as he did before, but I, I don't know. Boy, he does run funny, though. Like, people are going to give him garbage for that, like, because he kind of runs duck-like, you know? Like, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's what they're going to say. Like, Mina. Mina's slow. He runs funny. Um, okay. I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Mohamed Kudus. 22 played center forward at Ajax. It's really an attacking mid kind of center mid. He could play right wing and play off the half space. We've talked about him before. Now, David Ornstein in the article says that they're talking like 35, 40 million euros. I, I doubt it's that high in public. He's saying he's happy at Ajax. I, I don't think he is. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we're still interested, but, and it sounds like the interesting comment that I thought he made was that his first choice destination is the premier league. And operating in the midfield is a key factor. So look, I mean, we wouldn't play him at center forward, I wouldn't think. I, I tell you what, man, like obviously Wobie can always play out left. Imagine in that three, four, two, one, Kudis right attacking mid, a Wobie left attacking mid. Like that is what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. I mean, that would be a Wobie feeding him. He holds up the ball so well. Those two together, suddenly we have two guys that actually possession and, and keep the ball. So, okay, source, tier one, it's reliable. Does it make sense? God, yes, please. Too much sense. Too much sense. It will never happen. We need him too much. Our hopes, like, you know, again, reflect back on the summer. He might have been, the he was the one guy, I think a lot of us, when we did the Twitter spaces and whatnot, everyone basically said, I really feel like we missed out on this guy big time. I, mean, I think we might have a second chance to bring him in. It might still let it slip away again. Like he's if you had to if you had to allocate all your resources to getting one guy in this window, for me it's Kudas still. I mean, a lot of guys are going to be going after him, and they said he got linked to Liverpool, for example. I thought, <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, the way he plays doesn't make any sense at all. But anyway, um, 
Latest rumor, George Hall, 18, center mid at Birmingham City. I mean, interesting player. He's with the England U19s. This is the classic. Um, it was daily mirror, mirror football, which is totally unreliable. Does it make sense? Yes, maybe not right now. This is like the classic Frank Young England player, right? Um, Anthony Alenga, winger, Manchester United. Daily Mail, unreliable. This is another one where I get to feel like, well, they're going to bring in Gakpo. So it's like math. Okay, so they're going to have too many wingers. So who can we make up a rumor that he could go to? Like, okay, does it make sense? It's a no from me. Does it make sense, though? Like, fast no. and dribble? But is he? No. Is, Not three, enough impact. 369 minutes in the league. Do we really think he's going to jump in here and make an impact like some of these other guys? No. All right. Bouyadia, 26, center forward, on loan in Serie A from Villarreal. Um, the sources here in this one are kind of mixed. I mean, he was good for Senegal in the world cup. He is like your center forward that can also kind of play out left wing sources are kind of dubious. Does it make sense? By the way, he is on fire. By the way, if you look at like goals per shot, he's fifth in top five European leagues. You see that number there? It's ridiculous. Like everything he's hitting. And I remember looking at his replay of all shots and it's just like, go, 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 go. I like that. That sounds good. I mean, just just turned 26 in November. I think the difference is here is like, he's not going to be that expensive. And if he's not, I mean, he seemed to have a pretty decent world cup tournament too, right? He got a lot of minutes in the tournament. He did. And and look, he's a bit sloppy with the ball, but he's got size. He's got pace and he can freaking score. And we, we, I just feel like our other, we don't have many options that are just pure goal scores. And I think this guy is a little bit of that. His numbers, even in other leagues when he played, were decent. I mean, he created enough. It scored some. I mean, if the price is right, right? Maybe, right? Agree. Yeah. For the Again, all of this is, it's always with the right price. But if there's one, I mean, we definitely need more goals in the team. We need better finishing. He seems like a, a great option. So, all right. Armando Broja is out. Tours ACL. No, no option there. So no chance there, you know, and Chelsea probably wants a new strike. We got too. that feeling after the summer too, right? I mean, that yeah. was kind of the feedback we got. It was, it, that, that was that. We wanted him for sure. There's some other guys in play. Like I can't see Watford moving with Jao Pedro, who we're linked to. I love Jesper Lindstrom at Frankfurt. He's 22 right winger, but I think he's, he's not going to just jump in. I, I don't see that happening. Do we have a chance at Gakpo? No, absolutely not. Absolutely. Big, big not. rumors are united, it, you know. That, that's got United written all over it, and he's probably going to go there and stink it up because it's United, but it is what it is. We won't get him, and he's too expensive. He'd be perfect at left wing for us, by the way. In four, three, three. <laughs> Just, that's, uh, he's if great. We just, if we'd have sold Gordon in the summer, I think that would be him and Kudis I could have seen both coming in. Can you imagine you that? Am, it makes me sad to think about if we... If that was, was our, I had at least one journalist tell me he was going to... He was 100% wow. interested. No football guy told me that, but Jerno did. He was a football guy. All right. Quick one. Outgoings. Rumors. Tom Cannon to Sheffield Wednesday. Could make sense. He's he's on fire. He's on fire. I mean, everyone everyone on Everton Twitter, you know, journos, et cetera, are all excited about his impact and and how he's been doing recently. He seems like it too. So he needs he's a definitely loan, right? primed. He's he's primed for a loan. I think Everton are ready to get him out there and, and see how he can progress and how quickly he can. He's too good for that level. I mean, he can use both feet. He's big and strong too. So it's kind of like he's over. He's how old guys. again? Was he 19? 19? Yeah. 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 But hey, yeah, finally, we have age appropriate guys in that league, right? It's amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, join him in the list. The Lewis Dobbin, who uh, we're not going to recall him or anything, and Ellis and all these guys. I mean, you know, this is how you how you develop guys. Give him opportunities. Yeah. I, I hope he gets the right 
opportunity as well. I think Fleetwood Towns may be in the mix. League One seems about right for him, at least yeah. for half a year. I think he could do well. Um, Solomon Rondon's out. Everton announced it. He's left with immediate effect. I think that's probably best for all parties. I guess he canceled his contract. So hey, uh, respect. I mean, he just wants to play, right? You know, nothing on him and 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 a good move. Yeah, I will bet he has no problem finding club. By the way, some people might find no, that no, surprising. No, no. I bet you, I bet you. I mean, I this sounds terrible, but I feel like he could contribute as a backup striker or maybe even a starting striker in MLS. And he oh, can get a, think, probably a decent contract there, too. Yeah, my guess. I, I, if I had a guess, I'd say Middle East for him. But, um, I mean, the guy played in Russia. He's willing to go anywhere. Uh, no <laughs> offense to our Russian fans. It's just, it's it's cold. That's what I meant. Um, Michael Keane might be out, too. He's probably the only I've heard a lot of loan rumors about. Um, again, it would be very interesting only because Keane, Holgate, Godfrey, they all share the same agent that, I think we've been a little co- a little too cozy to over the years. That would signal a decent and interesting departure away. We certainly got center halves. We could send him out, right? We don't this this wouldn't really hurt. Although Frank plays Holgate over him. It's over, it's done, it's dusted. See ya. 100%. Unfortunately, you know, he's had an up and down Everton career. Would wish him well, but yeah, I think it's clear now. He's lost in the pecking order. Time to go. Pack your bags. I don't think the guys in front of her that much better. No, believe it or not. But he does no, make mean, mistakes. And he doesn't have the right mentality for Frank. Fine. Whatever. Sure. All right. Taking a step back. All right. We've gone through a lot of names. Yes. We've been at this for a while. Um, okay. One by one. What do you guys think is going to happen? Are there any particular names you think we're going to get over the line? What's the ideal window for you? James Boyman. Oh, man, it's tough. I mean... If it's me, I'm going, I'm just scrolling back up through the list. I'm trying to remember all the guys we talked about. For me, it would be like dream come true, almost not even considering the financials. You bring in Ziyech, you get on a loan, you get Kudis on a permanent. And honestly, I think you could you could stop it at that, but maybe even also look at SAR as well. That there's no way we spend that much. I don't think that's happened. But you look at the additional wide options that gives us, and yeah, there's some redundancy there, but that would make us so much more dangerous in the wide areas. Anthony Gordon and Demario Gray would barely have to play the rest of the season. I mean, that would be ideal for me. Yeah, I, I think it has to be. I think based on current position, I think it has to be three players, right? I, I'd prefer I'd prefer a creative midfielder um, to forward slash wide players, You know, preferably people with you know, versatility, right? Like Cunha at a good price, I think could make a lot of sense. I'd love Kudis as my second. Um, my third, it, and I, I'll, I'll try to say practical, but also hope one of Pulisic or Ziyech on loan with an option uh, specifically would be good. Um, I, I don't see how Sar works out, although he could be fun, but I don't think the value is going to be there. I think uh, Cunha offers a lot of versatility and Kudis is obviously a yes in everyone's book. And if he's not, then I hate your book. <laughs> Just right, kidding. I don't hate anything. How many, how many signings do you think we need in your ideal world? Throw pragmatism out the window. How many do we need? 25? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, oh, I, sh- I asked the question that I didn't have an answer for already. I mean, you right, here's where we're going to go massive. We're going to sell Anthony Gordon. Someone's going to pay like 30 million for him, Spurs or Chelsea, someone like that. I'm just, I'm having fun here. I don't think this is actually going to happen at all, but I'm just going to be in dream world for a while. Um, and we're going to loan, loan to buy Cunha. We're going to back up the truck and buy Kudis. We're even going to take Zia Chin on, on our second loan. 
And we're going to buy Andre Santos, 18-year-old from Vasco da Gama. And he's going to be our backup six. And we're going to teach him a little better positional awareness. And the future midfield is going to be locked in forever. You hear that, Bill Kenwright? Ryan's coming for your spot. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just having fun. He's got fun. the plan. I'm just having fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think realistically, I think we'll use the both loans. And I, I think we'll go. I could see one of the Chelsea guys. I really could. I know it's a lot of money. Um, Ziyech would be really good. And, and I don't know if he would come. He might be too, too high profile for that. Um, I, I Cunha makes a lot of sense. Like I can't deny that, you know, it really does to me. So I, I assume they're going to lose two both loans. I still am very skeptical that we don't need a little bit of the cash for the stadium financing personally. Um, but I, I think we see, I think we send money and we buy bringing a young player as well, even if they're not an impact player. That's my guess. I think Frank is really pushing for kind of like the young English player. And I think we'll see it. I feel it's going to be someone that we haven't been linked to yet. That's my guess. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the some of these names seem either too obvious or too out there. I think we'll see. Obviously, silly season hasn't even really begun. We're getting a jump start on it, but the rumors circulate nonetheless. And we hope that you enjoy this episode of us. And, and it matters what happens on Boxing Day in the game before. You know what I mean? 100%. I hope, fingers crossed, Frank brings the midfield back to how we were in the 4-3-3 again or goes to that 3-4-3 because I, I think that's a better solution for us. If he does that, I think we'll be able to be competitive those last two games. Otherwise, fingers fingers crossed. We definitely need to do some business, but I think some people will be up for doing some business. We'll see how it goes. Alex, any final words? No, let's just, I, I hope it's good business. And also, I'm not sure I'm ready for the boys in blue to be back, but I'm always hopeful and I'll still be, you know, with a smile on my face prior to kickoff, prior to kickoff. Prior to kickoff. Very important to say that. (laughs) 100%. Yeah, I mean, look, the World Cup has been thrilling. It's been incredibly entertaining. I think most Blues out there are now staring down the barrel of a week or so to go till Everton are back to bring, hopefully not, but more than likely misery on all of our lives. But we will hope for the best. We will hope that we get two positive results into the window. We have a dream window, and we fly up the table throughout the remainder of the season. That does it for our mid-season assessment. All three parts in the books We appreciate you all very much for sticking with us and listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback for us, please let us know. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, links in the description of the episode. You can find us at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And last but not least, join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Condolences to Bluest192, whose France took the loss in the World Cup final today. But we love our community. We appreciate you guys so much. And uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, up the toffees.